one of the ways one of the ways my bride Nancy has occupied her time while we are sheltering in place um, is puzzles. Uh, needless to say, she's not alone. Uh, though in our house, uh, she kind of is alone. When Nancy needs another set of eyes, she'll call me in from the bench, as it were, just for a quick pinch hit. Um, after I get on base, she steps back in as a runner and sends me back to the bench. Truth is, uh, I just don't have the patience for puzzles. As my father of blessed memory would say, different strokes for different folks. Yet, as I've thought about it, the weekly blessing of being immersed in Torah is a puzzle experience I quite love. The biblical writers and final redactors spread puzzle pieces throughout the Hebrew Bible for us to discover and connect with its mates. Here are the puzzle pieces I'm looking for tonight. At the end of Torah, after Moses' death, we are told that never again did there arise in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom God singled out panim el panim face to face. So the question that puzzles me and explorers of Torah throughout the generations have asked is why? What did Moses do to merit being elevated to such a status? The greatest Israelite prophet of all with a relationship to God like none else. My intuition tells me we're looking for three pieces. As Torah is not a linear book, trust me as your tour guide. I'll get you back home. One of the most common answers offered by the rabbi sends us to the book of Numbers in a verse we'll actually be reading a couple weeks from now. Aaron and Miriam are being critical of their brother Moses, and they say aloud, does God speak only through Moses? And God personally responds saying, Moses was a very humble man, more so than any other man on earth. Well, we could spend a lot of time exploring the ways in which Moses deserved such a distinction. But for now, let's put that puzzle piece to the side, the most humble man on earth. Follow me to the second piece, if you would. Torah gives us very little information about Moses's formative years. Uh, other than it's complicated, you know the story, due to a decree from Pharaoh that all newborn Hebrew boys be put to death, Moses' mother places the infant in a basket by the Nile. Who but Pharaoh's daughter spots the infant, she rescues the boy, names him Moses, and raises him in Egyptian royalty. Then as a young man, we learn about Moses' character and disposition. Vaigdal Moshe. When Moses had grown up, he went out to his kinsmen and witnessed their labors. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinsmen. He turned this way and that, seeing nobody about, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses' first act with his hands was an act of vigilante justice murdering an Egyptian taskmaster. 
The next day, Moses finds two Hebrews fighting. So he said to the offender, why do you strike your fellow? Think about this. The first words we hear Moses utter in Torah are words of rebuke to a fellow Hebrew. And then the next day, Moses comes to the defense of seven Midianite sisters at a water well in the face of shepherds trying to harass the women. In these three consecutive incidents, we learn Moses has a deep sense of justice and fairness, and he has high expectations of how people should behave in the world. And yes, we learn that he has a short fuse that doesn't take much to spark. Moses is an angry man. This is a trait that Moses shares with God. God too is quick to anger when disappointed by the behavior of the Israelites and other nations. It's not only Moses's mission to free the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. It's Moses's time, it's Moses time and time again who pleads with God on behalf of the Israelites to back God away from destroying them. This, the same Moses who pleaded with God at the burning bush that he is not a man of words, is never at a loss of words with God. They could speak to one another face to face. Yet Moses has not figured out how to speak with and connect with other human beings. Anger in itself is not necessarily good or bad. It depends what triggers it and how it's used. As the poet and philosopher David White so beautifully expresses, anger is the deepest form of compassion and purest form of care. The internal living flame of anger always illumines what we belong to, what we wish to protect, and what we are willing to hazard for ourselves. To me, this characterizes what triggers Moses's anger. Next to humility, let's put the puzzle piece of anger right next to it. And now the final piece of the puzzle is actually the most transformative of all. Moses, before he dies, bearing the weight of being a man of God and the thankless job of leading the Israelites, chooses to come off his pedestal and make himself vulnerable before the entire Israelite community. Moses, in this way, teaches one of the most profound lessons for every human being. We all have our story, stories of soaring success and devastating loss and failure, of unrequited love and everlasting love, of lifelong goals realized and others just out of reach. Moses takes the radical step of telling his story as he sees it, to the people. Listen to a part of what he shares. I beseeched God at that time saying, let me pray cross over and see the good land on the other side of the Jordan. But God was wrathful with me on your account 
and would not listen to me saying, never, enough of that. Never speak to me of this matter again. As the Torah scholar Aviva Zornberg teaches us, instead of a passion now to cross over the Jordan, Moses is possessed by a new passion to reach across to his people before he dies. He lays his intimate narrative at their door, now speaking without divine authority as a man, a human life. For the first time, he exposes to the people a voice that in a sense undermines its own authority. Why does Moses choose to descend from his pedestal of privileged knowing? Perhaps simply in order to cross over to his people before he dies. Here we have the final piece of the puzzle, vulnerability, claiming your own unique story and sharing it. Humility is carrying yourself in the world, secure of the contribution you are making and the gifts you bring into the world with no need to flaunt them or put your name in neon lights. If you're humble, you know that your blessings come your way, yes, through hard work and, but by the grace of God. And anger is not being satisfied, is not being satisfied with the world as it is. Anger is also having a vision of the world as it should be and taking a step closer to that. So I ask you tonight, what opens up your heart of compassion and how does that feel? What is it you wish to protect and how much are you willing to risk to stand up and say, this is not acceptable and change is possible? Is it Ahmad Arbery or George Floyd, the most recent black men killed because of the color of their skin? Does that make you angry? Is it seeing the earth being treated as a commodity as a resource for our pleasure with no regard for the sustainability of the earth for the generations to come? Does that make you angry? Perhaps it's the most vulnerable in our community, migrants and the working poor who are considered essential workers, allowing us to shelter in place, putting their lives at risk without being afforded commensurate compensation or dignity. Does that anger flow from compassion and care? What makes you angry? And finally, healthy anger must be channeled to open ourselves, to make us vulnerable, to share our stories and listen to the stories of other. Humility is the confidence to make ourselves vulnerable. That for Moses was the greatest missing piece in his life. As Moses models for us, it doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. It's never too late to tell your story. In doing so, claim what's most important to you. Let others know you in this way and invite others to share their stories. On this Shabbat Shavuot, as we receive Torah from the hands of God and receive it too from the hands of Moses, 
as the ever-evolving words of Torah continue to guide us in our lives today. Torah that demands our voice and our narratives. As Lawrence Kushner writes, each person has a Torah. Unique to that person, his or her innermost teaching. Some seem to know their Torahs very early in life and speak and sing them in a myriad of ways. Others spend their whole lives stammering, shaping, and rehearsing them. Some are long, some short, some are intricate and poetic, others are only a few words, and still others can only be spoken through gesture and example. But every soul has a Torah. To hear another say, Torah is a precious gift. For each soul, by the time of his or her final hour, the Torah is complete, the teaching is done. Never again did there arise in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom God singled out panim el panim, face to face. <laughs>